Good evening to everybody. It's good to see everyone, and uh, we do want to always remember all of those in the prayer list in our prayers on an ongoing basis. Great to see everyone this evening, really is. Everybody coming out. Uh, beautiful day outside, and uh, maybe some weather coming this evening. Be safe. I want us to continue in this particular series. We're coming toward the wind down time, but not quite there yet. We're asking the question during this series, what, what do I do? How do I, how do I make decisions? How can I come to the right decision when I'm confronted with questions that are not necessarily specifically covered in God's word? Now the principles are there, but the specifics aren't necessarily. You might Scratch your head a little bit and say, well, what, what are you talking about? Everything's, no, not everything is covered in specific in the scriptures. But there are principles that are given to us in God's word that help us come to those, to those correct decisions. God has not left us, you know, on our own, by ourselves, no clue to, you know, how we ought to decide on different matters. And as we go through life in this world as the generations go on new things are always coming up and and they're always some of those new things are confronting us well is this really a good thing yeah for instance you know uh the whole issue of trans transgenderism you know that was not even on the table a matter that would come up for us to be even have to consider say 50 or 50 or 70 years ago, but now we're being bombarded with it in our culture, in our country. How do we make decisions in those things? And the idea, okay, legalize marijuana. Now, these are just a couple of, of situations in specific that are confronting us and that we're having to come to decisions on. Now, we continually have to make decisions as to behavior and conduct. And as Christians, we want to stay true to our Christian character. And when we look in the denominational world out there today, they're all over the place on a whole lot of these issues. I mean, they're, they're here and there and everywhere and very confusing picture and very contradictory positions are being taken from one denomination to another. So, so how do we make these decisions? How do we decide? And that's what we're talking about in this, a guide to help decide. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, as we've been emphasizing throughout this particular series, Jesus said, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. So what's the point in, in continuing to refer to this particular verse of scripture from our Lord? Feelings alone are not sufficient. A lot of times people will, will suggest, they'll, they'll give somebody advice. They're trying to figure out, what do I do in this, in this particular situation? How do I come to the right decision? What's the choice that I ought to be making? And a lot of people will say, well, what does your heart say? Follow your heart. You know, my wife and I are having problems, or my husband and I are having problems. What should I do? You know, we're not getting along. Should, I, should we just divorce? And leave? Well, what does your heart say? Follow your heart. How does it feel? What do your feelings say? Follow your feelings. Well, those are not good, 
lines of advice in, in these kinds of circumstances. We need to understand what does God want me to do? And how do I come to make the right decision in this particular set of circumstances? And these are just a few of the questions that are coming up all of the time as we go through life in this generation, in our culture, in this country today. So we've studied four general principles that God has given us in his scriptures, in the word, in the New Testament, to help us decide when we're confronted with a question as to making a decision of conduct or practice or action or even thought. He's given us these general principles to guide us, to help us come to a good, godly, and faithful conclusion. So the first one we looked at, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Can you do this in the name of the Lord? Well, as I've said, we want to stay true to our Christian character and identity when we're trying to decide on these matters. Can you do this in the name of the Lord, wearing your Lord's name, Christian, while you take part in whatever this action is or when you stand up for whatever this conclusion is in your part? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, can you do this to the glory of God? If you make this decision, if you follow this course of action, can you still live to God's glory doing that? Or saying, this is my position on this. Proverbs 10, verses 22 through 25, can you ask God's blessing upon this? Also, that would be the closing verses of Romans chapter 14. Can I do this and ask God, bless me as I make this decision. This is my decision I'm going to make. Please bless me in that decision. Can you ask God's blessing upon you in deciding that particular choice? And then last time we looked at 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Will this be an unnecessary stumbling block to others? Now let me tell you, there are going to be times when we're going to make the right decision because it's the moral course to take. It follows the scriptures and that's going to upset other people. Now, I'm not talking about upsetting everybody, but I'm going to say it's going to upset some people, maybe a good number of people, maybe in our own family in some cases. But what we want to, to, to understand is, and, and the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we said it's also in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I believe also in, in Romans chapter uh, 14, 13 or 14 anyway, the, the principle is there. Can I, can I, if I'm being confronted with making a decision or taking a course in action, getting involved in a particular behavior, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it's eating meat offered to idols, and Paul says, we know an idol is nothing, but what if you have a brother or sister in Christ who is a new Christian, and they came out of the, out of the practice of worshiping idols? And they see you eating meat that's been offered to idols and then sold in the marketplace. And that would have been a religious experience for them when they were worshiping idols to buy that meat and cook it and eat it. It would be a worshipful experience for them toward that idol. He says, now if they see you eating that idol or that meat offered to idols and they remember what that meant to them before they became a Christian, could that be a stumbling block for them to see you doing that? 
So will it be an unnecessary stumbling block to others? Tonight, I want us to look at a fifth principle that's laid out for us in Scripture. Have you considered the consequences of what you're thinking about doing? Have you considered the consequences? It's important for us to stop and think about the broad spectrum of things when we're coming to to matters of decision on things that are not specifically spelled out in Scripture. Now, God has spelled out a whole lot. You shall not murder. (laughs) No question about that, right? You should not commit adultery. You should not commit fornication. You should not lie because Revelation 21 and verse 8 says all liars will find their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See, those are spelled out specifically. But there are matters that come up and especially we're being confronted with those on a a more and more common basis in our culture, in our land right now. We need to understand how do we come to make the right decision, staying true to our Christian character and identity and staying faithful to God in the process. So number five, have you considered the potential consequences of what you're thinking about doing? When we look at Galatians chapter six, verses seven and eight, the apostle Paul wrote, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We need to to realize, okay, what I do, the decision I make, can have, can have eternal consequences. Either for good or for bad. It can have eternal consequences either for eternal life or eternal condemnation. And once again, it may not affect just me. There could be collateral damage, so to speak, in the lives of others with whom we're associated. Now, there are consequences to what decisions we make. A lot of people, they want to have some kind of, kind of uh, philosophy that it doesn't matter. I just choose. It's up to me. It's my life. No, there are, there are, there's collateral consequences. We hear about that all the time in the news when somebody comes along and, and they're mad at somebody else or maybe they're in a gang and they're, they're, they're trying to get at somebody else in another gang and there's a drive-by shooting and they shoot down that person but they sprayed all kinds of bullets and, and two or three other people got killed who were not involved in either situation themselves. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, what are the potential consequences? What could they be if I take this action or if I maybe don't take this action? It's a natural law that you'll reap according to how you sow. And that's what Paul is bringing out here. People who sow to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. But again, that's a natural law. It's a natural law. You'll reap according to what and how you sow. Think about that farmer who goes out into the field. It's planting time, springtime. 
So he goes out into the field and he decides that he's going to plant a particular crop in a particular field that is not conducive to the production, a good production of that particular crop. You might say, well, what are you talking about? Dirt's dirt, isn't it? Well, not necessarily. What, what is the soil composition in a particular field and what crops grow well in that particular soil comp composition? Or what about if you drive through, say, parts of Arkansas and you see rice paddies all over the place? You don't want to plant corn at a rice paddy. It's not going to come up. The seeds are going to, you know, just be destroyed. And you don't want to try to plant rice in central Nebraska where it's going to be hot and arid and maybe somewhat humid during the summertime, during the peak of the summertime, because that rice isn't going to do anything in there. So you need to stop and remember, okay, there are, there are consequences. It's natural law as to what I'm going to be able to reap according to what and how I sow the crop. And so, so 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, the apostle Paul says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So you've got the same farmer, and he says, okay, this particular field, I bought that from Farmer Jones over here, and he had a tremendous corn crop last year in that field. I'm going to plant corn in that field because I know it'll do well. But you know, I think I can plant just half the number of seeds that he did and still have a great crop. You know what's going to happen. He's going to have half the crop Farmer Jones had because he sowed sparingly. And so there's the natural law again. You reap according to what and how you sow. You sow. In Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 5, Jesus told the parable of the sower. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled underfoot or trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell on thorns and the thorns sprung up and with it and choked it out. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, so again, farmer doesn't want to go out and sow his next year's or this year's, the next harvest's crop in a place where it's not going to germinate in the soil. The wayside was a, was a pathway, a footpath in, the, in that part of the world at that time, in that, that culture of that day, where the different farmers would walk back and forth from field to field and that was a hard-worn footpath that was beaten down. And so that's what it's talking about when he says, some fell by the wayside. That's what it was called, the wayside. Now, when the, so, when the seed would fall on that particular ground, it would just lay on the top of that wayside. And that would be easy pickings for the birds. They'd see it, they'd swoop down, they'd eat up all the seed. It's not going to grow. But then some, it says, fell on rocky ground and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because there was not enough moisture in the ground. Some fell by 
thorns and thistles and as the crop started to come up, the thorns and thistles came up with it and choked it out. Took up all the nutrients from it. Wouldn't let it get enough sun. Only the seed that fell on the good ground produced properly. Now there's the law where it says how you sow and what you sow is going to have a consequence as to what you will reap. That's the natural law. All farmers know that. All farmers. People who garden know that. They understand. I've got to pay attention to what I'm going to sow in what part of the garden and what kind of soil or fertilizer or whatever I'm going to need or not need. That's, that's the natural law of reaping according to what and how you sow. But it's also a spiritual law. And that's what Paul is really trying to bring out here. That's what Jesus was trying to bring out. He simply used a natural law kind of illustration to get across the lesson on a spiritual level. So in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So Jesus says, you want God's blessings from a physical and material perspective. Give back to God. Now some people try to look for loopholes and say, well, uh, I don't have to just give, you know, in worship to God through funds. I can give, you know, some time over here. Whatever. No, that's, it's all inclusive. It's not either or, it's both and. Ultimately, when I come to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, I'm giving my life, and that's everything about me and everything of me. And I should not be looking for loopholes to excuse me from not giving in one way, but giving in other ways. I need to be doing the best I can with all that I am and all that I have. And so given, it will be given to you. And if we want the abundance and blessings, we need to give everything we are to God. We need to, again, it's my life. It's not a part of my life. It's my life. Christianity is not, is, is not a, a, a compartmentalized part of my life. It has to be my life. My faith can't be just part of my life. My faith has to be my life. I have to give God my all. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Jesus said that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But let's go back to Romans chapter 2. The spiritual law is there. The application we understand from examples and illustrations given to us in the scriptures of the, of the reality of the natural law. We're going to reap exactly according to what, sow, what seeds we sow in our spiritual life. In Romans chapter 2, beginning with verse 6, Paul wrote, Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Now, ultimately, at the judgment seat, Christ being the judge, the eternal judge, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by, patient of, of, who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. 
But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul who does evil, of the Jew first and also for the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul covers both ends of the spectrum there. He says, for those who are involved in uh, in, in unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish is going to be upon them. But for those who are engaged on a consistent basis in sowing spiritual seed, godly, righteous dedication to God, then glory, honor, and peace will be their ultimate reward. And there's 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 puts it in very succinct form. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What kind of seeds he has sown in his spiritual life. We're going to, we're going to reap the rewards from the proper seeds being sown in our spiritual life or we're going to receive the punishment and the judgment if we have sown improper seeds in our spiritual life. Again, unrighteousness, we're looking at the judgment of God. From a negative perspective, righteousness, we're looking at being able to walk the, the, the golden streets in heaven. And so according to what and how we sow the spiritual seeds in our lives or the seeds in our spiritual lives. How true that is. We looked at Job this morning in a, in a pretty extensive study, but I want to look back at chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Now, here is, in principle, a good rule of thumb. Even as I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his anger they are consumed. Now, that was one of Job's supposed friends rebuking Job and saying, these things have happened to you, obviously, because you've become some kind of big sinner and God's really letting you have it, buddy. Now, he was wrong in what he said. Job had been righteous before God. This was the devil working on Job and trying to pull him down and away from God, trying to, trying to get him to turn away from God and, and become a disbeliever or one who's not following God's, God's teachings on a consistent basis. But the principle comes out as being true. Those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Reap the same. In Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, we go all the way back to the Israelites, Moses writing, Moses giving God's law to the people before they ever get to the promised land and, and possess it. And so he says to the men of the tribes of Reuben and Gad, who when they got to the eastern bank or the, of the Jordan River, which was the boundary line between one land and the promised land, the land of Canaan, which would, God was going to give them to be the land of Israel. The men from the tribes of Reuben and Gad, they came to Moses and said, you know, this land over here is really good for our livestock. We'd like this to be our inheritance. And Moses said, what, what do you mean? You want to stay over here and let all of your brethren, all of the other 10 tribes, 
go across the river and fight the battles to take the land that God promised to all of you? And so the, the men of the tribes of Reuben and Gad, they say, no, no, no. We just want this to be our inheritance, but we will go across the river before the other 10 tribes and we will fight those battles with them to take the land as God has promised and as God has guided us to do. We will stay true to God's instruction to drive those people out or destroy them in battle one way or the other. It's their choice. And then when the battles are over, we'll come back to this side of the river and take possession of our land or continue to possess it. And so Moses says, okay, as long as you will stay true to your commitment and you will go before the other 10 tribes with them and fight the battles with them, then this can be your inheritance over here. But be sure if you do not follow through, your sin will find you out. Because God will know that you did not stay true to your commitment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, beginning with verse 11, the wise man wrote this. And what a tremendous book that is, Ecclesiastes. Filled with godly wisdom. And so the wise man wrote this, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Now that's what Moses was warning the men from the tribes of Jerubin and Gad back in Numbers chapter 32 about. You think you can go ahead and stay here and, and let your brethren go and cross the river and fight the battles? That's not going to work. Your sins are going to find you out. There's the principle. God knows what's going to happen and what you're doing. But the men of tri the, the, those tribes said, no, no, we'll go across. We'll fight the battles with our brethren. Then we'll come back. And Moses says, okay. But if you don't follow through, on the commitment you're making this day, your sins are going to find you out. And so the wise man in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11 through 13 says, you know, some people, they take heart in living an ungodly, Christ, an ungodly life or an unfaithful life before God because they didn't get struck by lightning the first time they made the wrong choice. First time they decided to disobey God, he didn't wipe them out. So they think, hey, everything's hunky-dory, no problem. I can go on living this unrighteous lifestyle, this ungodly lifestyle. I can go on being unfaithful and disobedient to God because nothing happened to me yet. And so Solomon in writing this says, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged. He continues living. Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. In other words, are respectful of God, hold him in reverence and are obedient to his teachings, but it will not be well with the wicked. Nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. Solomon's saying the same thing Moses told those men of tribes of Reuben and Gad. You think you might be getting away with something, but 
forget that. You're not getting away with anything. God knows exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it, and he will hold you accountable. There's no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that, in a succinct way, is saying the same thing as what Solomon wrote in, 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 in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. You think you can live an ungodly life? You think you can be disobedient to God's teachings on an ongoing basis? Nothing's going to happen? Forget that. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to give account of the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. And so the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the key is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So a person says, hey, I don't need to be a Christian. I've got this good job over here. I'm walking in some pretty prestigious social circles. Things seem to be going just great. You're not standing before the judgment seat of Christ yet. You think you're going to be in heaven without walking the heavenly way. You're deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you. So Jesus said there's only one way to God. That's through me. My Lord as your Lord and Savior, as the Son of God. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, as we've looked at many times, Paul said, we need to walk circumspectly. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly, carefully, thoughtfully, prayerfully, super focused. I want to do what God wants me to do. So, before you take this action, stop and think. Pray to God. Help me see, Father, what the potential consequences of my doing this or taking this position might become. Before I take this action, please give me your wisdom, Father, your guidance. What do you want me to do? What's the right thing to do here? Because I want to... I want to think, give me insight. What could be potential consequences that I really don't want to see happen if I take part in this action or this practice or this behavior? We need to stop and think. We truly do. Well, a lot of people, they make the decision in life that I'm not going to become a Christian I've got plenty of time to do that somewhere down the road. Or I look, at, I look in, at those people who call themselves Christians, and you know what? I see a lot of hypocrites there. Now, my response to that is, do you see any hypocrites in the world out there? Full of them, isn't it? So that's a faulty line of reasoning right there. Well, they're not living the life they ought to be living as Christians. That's on their head. You still need to do what God has instructed you to do in his word. And a lot of people make the, bad, the wrong choices. They don't stop and think, 
All right, I'm living this lifestyle right now. Yeah, I know it may not be the best lifestyle to live, but it, it, I'm reaping some benefits. What about down the road when you have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? What could be potential consequences even while you're still alive on this earth? You need to stop and think prayerfully, thoughtfully, considerately before God. If you need to become a Christian this evening, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, we want to help you with that. If you need to study some more about that, we want to help you with that, if you'll ask us. If you need the prayers of the church for whatever reason, we want to help you with that. We'll pray with you and for you if you'll just tell us. If you need to come, think, think. If I do not take this step to come to God through Jesus Christ, what will be the potential consequences of that decision? And if I do give my life to my Lord, what can I look forward to as a result of that by God's promise? If you need to come, let's stand together and sing.